Hey there, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me to wherever you are today. Today is an exciting day. It is an encouraging day. It's a day to celebrate. It's a day to remember. Scott, what is so big about today? Well, today we begin what we are calling Jesus the King coming soon. And we are uh, super excited about this. We feel like the Lord has really led us into this. He has uh, brought us through this whole year of 2022. He has just uh, really brought this depth of feel to the concept of Jesus people. What does it really mean to be Jesus people, to be followers of Christ, which has led us to this moment, Jesus the King coming soon. And I know just the kind of the title itself kind of uh, if you like to nerd out on stuff, you're just like, right now, you're like, oh, I've been waiting for this forever and ever. And for some of you, you may be like, man, this is, uh, man, this is going to be maybe a little uncomfortable for me. But it's not any of that, really. It's just we want to keep our eyes on Jesus. We want to be prepared at all times, not just for one day that's to come. We want to be prepared today. Listen, I want I want my heart to be right today. I want my mind to be right today. I want my eyes on Jesus today. Listen, this isn't about like reading the book of Revelation and getting caught up in all this stuff and all this, uh, uh, these significant signs and all these things. Hey, where are the signs? Where are the signs? It's not really about that at all. It's simply about keeping our eyes on Jesus, giving our lives to Christ, following Christ today, doing the ministry of Jesus on the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that's what it's all about. But in this uh, thought process of Jesus the King coming soon, the thing that we want to focus on is not necessarily, hey, Revelation chapter 12 says this, or 7 says this, or this, 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 or these keys, or this dragon, or this angel, or this, or this. Our focus, listen, in all of this is preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being prepared. Always being prepared prepared. That is the whole purpose for all of this. It is not for information. It's not so that we can get caught up in all this stuff. It is so that it directs us to Jesus. It all needs to direct us to Jesus, that our minds are stayed on Jesus, that our hearts are stayed on Jesus. And so in all of this, this is where we want to land. And so go to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and this is going to be kind of our baseline throughout um, this thought process of Jesus the King coming soon. First Thessalonians chapter five, and I do want to remind you that we are uh, really about to make this transition as far as orphans' hands and Ukraine, Moldova relief. We have been taking in coats and blankets and personal items for several weeks now. Uh, you can give to that thpshreport.com. Click our uh, Realm Giving app, and you can give through those means. You can create an account, or you can just quick give, but give to THP Compassion and put Ukraine. Moldova relief on that and um, just partnering with us and partnering with Orphan's Hands to make sure that before the bitter cold winter gets there and they're still under siege by Russia, they're still under siege, they're in war, but the bitter cold is coming and it's going to make it even more difficult. And these coats and blankets are going to save lives. They're going to save families. And so uh, if you desire to be a part of that, and I just want to encourage you in your giving as well, just in your giving, just in your first fruits, what you're giving to the Lord, to just be involved in giving to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 says this, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly, 
uh, in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, this writing is coming after he has talked to them about the day of the Lord. What's coming to prepare yourself? And here's what he says. Now we exhort you, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. Great, this is great biblical advice. Warn, comfort, uphold, be patient. It's not just warn everybody all the time. It is warn and comfort and uphold and be patient. Don't render evil for evil to anyone. Always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for everybody. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. How do we prepare for the coming of Jesus, Scott? It's right here. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at what? At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus the King coming soon. Preparing our hearts. And I want to step into something in this message that's very prophetic. I would say the word prophetic in nature. Because when we were putting this together, when we were praying about this and, and putting this together, and I was just seeking the Lord and just going, okay, Lord, man, we, we've been in this Jesus gifts and we're moving into this Jesus church. And like, what are you saying for the end of the year? Like, what are you saying? What are you saying? And I just sensed the Lord was, was saying, be prepared, be prepared. And so I, I told the team, I said, listen, this is what I'm praying into. We're going into Jesus the King coming soon. The coming of Jesus being prepared, our hearts being prepared. And here's when we're going to start it. We're going to start at September the 25th. And so we didn't think a whole lot about it. But when I started looking, we got closer and closer and closer. And then I started looking, and I realized that this weekend, it fell that we would start Jesus the King coming soon on the Jewish feast holiday of Rosh Hashanah the Feast of Trumpets, the beginning of the Feast of Trumpets. And that is super significant. It's not like we're gonna get the deep weeds of it, but like we didn't plan this. And normally if you ask my team, they will tell you that, man, Scott, he's on top of the feast times. He realizes that there is something to that for us as believers and Christians and and like the, the roots of our faith. Um, and there are times and seasons uh, for everything, and those things matter. And and Scott, it, he has his pul- he has his uh, thumb on the pulse of that. But this year, as far as the Feast of Trumpets, I really wasn't even thinking about that. And I said, "Hey, we're going to start Jesus the King coming soon on this day." And it so happens that it lands on the Feast of Trumpets. And why is that so important? We're going to dig into that a little bit. Leviticus chapter twenty three. And verse 23 says this, the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. On the first day of the appointed month in early autumn, you are to observe a day of complete rest. And it will be an official day for a holy assembly, a day commemorated with loud blasts of a trumpet, which is where they get the Feast of Trumpets. You must do no ordinary work on that day. Instead, you are to present special gifts to the Lord. Now, the first four gifts in Leviticus 23, at the first four feasts in Leviticus 23, describe what God has done. So when we look at the feasts, they're never called the feasts of Jews. They're called the feasts of the Lord. We also know that even the Feast of Tabernacles will be celebrated in the end times for all nations to come. In those days, the Feast of Tabernacles for all nations, not just Jewish people, but all nations 
will come and will bring their gifts to the Lord and will celebrate and will worship. So when we talk about the feasts, it's not just the feast of the Jews, but it's the feast of the Lord. They're never called the feast of the Jews, but the feast of the Lord. And the first four feasts in Leviticus 23 that are described describes what God has done. Because when we look at the feasts, it's not just about the Jews and the past. It's about the present and it's about the future. It all has something to say about what was, what is, and is to come. Well, why is that? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It isn't just the one who was, but it is the one who is and is to come. They all go together. We can't have one without the other. He was, he is, and he is to come. Hey, Jesus was this person. He was, but he is now at the right hand of the Father, and the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives inside of me. He is, and he is to come. He is coming again. And so when we look at the feasts, we can even see that. We know that the feasts are also a a typology of Christ. He's in every single one of them. When we think about the first four feasts in Leviticus 23, Passover. Well, who is that? That is Christ, the Passover lamb crucified for our sins. It was as far as the the children of Israel coming out uh, out of Egypt, the Exodus, but is in who? Christ, he is the Passover lamb. Then you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What is that? That's cleansing us from all sin. The leaven, the leaven, the sin, right? Cleansing us from all sin, the unleavened bread. Who's the bread from heaven? Who's the manna from heaven? It's Jesus. Then we have the first fruits, the Feast of First Fruits. What is that? That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope of new life. First fruits. And then there's the Feast of Pentecost or Shavuot. What is that? That's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father and he sends the Holy Spirit. So when we look at this even as a type of where we're living right now, we are actually living in this scorching summer between Pentecost and the Feast of Trumpets. Why do we say that? Because we live between the Feast of Pentecost and the Feast of Trumpets or what the Bible calls Yom Truah, a day of blasting, because we know that when Jesus comes back, what's going to happen? A trumpet blast, a trump is going to sound. There's going to be a sound of a trumpet. We're living between these two times. What does that mean? Listen, we're all pilgrims walking through this place we call the earth. And we're and in Christ, we are strangers in a strange land. We're in the wilderness and we're longing for the promised land. Listen, it's all connected. Listen, you can get lost in the weeds of this stuff, but it doesn't give us an excuse not to declare these things because they are prophetically signs that he was and he is and he is to come. And the way that people try to erase the history of Jesus is erasing who he is now and that he's not coming. People have been saying that for years. But listen, God's time frame is not the same as ours. His ways are above ours. His thoughts are above ours. So what is the significance of this, God? What does this have to do with Jesus the King? Why is it significant, the Feast of Trumpets? Well, the Israelites had two silver trumpets to call the people together. Think about this. You got millions of Jewish people traveling together. How in the world would they know when to meet, when to gather, when people are coming to, to attack us? There needs to be a call to war. There needs to be a call to battle. How are we gonna do this? They did it with trumpet blasts, with a sound. And it would guide them through the promised land. And the trumpeters were stationed at regular intervals to pass the signal through the entire camp. Two to four million Israelites camped. You can find that in Numbers chapter 10. And so when we talk about Rosh Hashanah, 
which is not just New Year. You may have heard that before, not been into the feast, but you hear this Rosh Hashanah. Hey, some of you may even know, hey, Rosh Hashanah, that means it's like New Year. It's not just a drawing of a New Year for the Jewish people, but the first of the Jewish high holy days, traditionally called Rosh Hashanah, but Yom Truah. Come on, put that in the chat or say it. Yom Truah. Yom Truah in the word. What does that mean? That means a day of shouting, blasting, trumpets. It lasts two days. And in those two days, what would happen? There would be a hundred shofar blasts a day. A hundred a day. Not just one firing off. This was an awakening. This was an awakening moment. And then it was followed by 10 days of awe, 10 days of reflection, 10 days to prepare your heart, and that would lead to Yom Kippur, the highest of all holy days, which was the Day of Atonement, the high holy days. Those 10 days would prepare you. Trumpet blast, awaken. 10 days of reflection. Search your heart. Search your mind. Get your motives right. We are coming to the Day of Atonement. And it was about remembering, but it was a signal to awaken to the holiest days. Why does God use signs on the earth? To awaken us. Why do sermons and reading the word of God and preaching the word of God, what does it do? It awakens us to what? The truth. I love that Paul says in the, to the church at Corinth, he's like, listen, you can't oppose the truth. You can't. It's the truth. You can only come into agreement with it. He's like, you're not going to change the truth by opposing it. It's truth. And God uses the truth of his word to awaken us to things that we've never seen before because our hearts have not been turned towards him, because our hearts have been hardened by the world, because our thoughts are more in line with the world than they are with the word of God. So what's the prophetic significance? Why does this matter, Scott? What does this have to do with Jesus the King coming soon? Well, for the nation of Israel, here's why it matters. It reminds the nation God will call them together, fulfill all of his everlasting covenants with his chosen people. Joel chapter 2, Matthew chapter 24. Why is that important? Because starting with Babylonian captivity, going all the way back and all the way up to Christ and all the way up to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Jews were dispersed all over the world. It was called the diaspora the dispersion of the Jews everywhere. When they came together in Acts chapter two, listen, stay with me. I I am plowing some grounds right here. And some would say, hey, don't do this on film, man. Do this on camera. Listen, you deserve this. You need to know this. We need to awaken to this truth. We are plowing some ground here. Why does it matter that the Jews were scattered all over the earth? Because scattering them all over the earth is a prophetic sign that he's going to gather them all back together in one place at one time. That he's going to bring every single one of his everlasting covenants into fulfillment. Listen, look at the earth right now. The whole earth is groaning, is groaning, is crying out. Paul wrote about this. That the whole earth is groaning, not just with earthquakes here and there, not just with fires or natural disasters or this, but the whole earth is groaning right now. 
Nations have been changed. Boundary lines have been changed. Why is it so important? Jews were scattered all over the earth. Think about it. They were scattered all over the earth by Acts 2 because when they came from all over the earth to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost and they gave it, 3,000 were added to the kingdom of God in one day. Some of them never went back out. They stayed, which is why the early church had to feed people, had to take care of people. Now we need deacons. Now we need this. Now we need this. We need leaders to do this. Why? because people never went back but some did go back and then the persecution happened even more and so now they went out from Jerusalem again and there was a diaspora there was a dispersion and into Greece and into Rome and into Turkey and all these different places that we know that Paul goes because there are believers in this place why because they've been dispersed everywhere we've seen it throughout history And it's important because the Jews were scattered all over, the Jewish people were scattered all over the world, and yet God promised to gather them all together again throughout history. Just look at the 20th century. The Hebrew language is one of the only languages on earth that was absolutely, completely dead and has been resurrected to become a language once again. Think about that for a second. Israel becoming a nation in a day. Look at your history, and it was prophesied. The prophet prophesied that can a nation become a nation in a day? Yes. And what was that prophecy about? Israel. And we know that in the midst of that, God created a miracle because the enemy waited till Shabbat that night to attack Israel so they wouldn't become a nation, and they became a nation anyway in one day. It didn't happen 500 years ago. It happened in our generation. When I say our generation, I'm not talking about your age demographic. I'm talking about the fact that my mom's generation, my mom's generation was being born during that time. That has happened in our generation. The six-day war, look it up. The six-day war, miraculous. A few hundred versus tens of thousands, miraculous victory. The redrawing of lines, the giving away of Israel to this, the Middle East, even America, all these things, the replanting of the land. Why is that so important? In the last 30 years, there, have been pl- there are places in Israel that were desert, barren wasteland that are now olive groves. Why is that important? Because Zechariah Zachariah uh, prophesied that a replanting of the land would happen at what? At the coming of the Lord, the land would be replanted. It's all happening. Look throughout history. Nobel Prizes. The brilliance. Inventions. Guess where a lot of them came from? Israel. The Jewish people. God's chosen people. His hand upon them. They've been persecuted throughout generations. You can think whatever you want. But the Jews did not kill Jesus. They decreed it. And they declared it. And they wanted it. And the Romans carried it out. But ultimately, Jesus gave his life willingly. He sacrificed himself willingly for all of our sin, to atone for all of our sin. When you look at what happened, listen, what happened to the Jews just didn't start in 1930s Germany. You can go all the way back to 1200, where the ghettos, they had ghettos, and ghettos were for Jewish people. 
to where they couldn't testify in a court of law against a Gentile. They couldn't testify against, um, uh, against anyone from the Catholic Church. They, they were only allowed to hold certain jobs. What do those jobs have to do? Banking, taxes, lawyers. Why are people good at things? Some people are great at things because they were forced into doing them. Why can I fiddle around with a motor of a 1970-something truck? Because my truck broke down, and I was a teenager, and I couldn't afford to have it fixed. And we didn't have YouTube. And so you know what I had to do? I was forced into learning how to do it. I can do it today because I was forced into learning how to do it. This is what happened. If we look at right now what's happened in Israel, earthquakes in Israel, receding waters of the Dead Sea, that's prophetic. Why does it matter? Why does all of this matter? Fresh water in the Dead Sea. Hello. The Temple Mount. Everything that's going on. The restoration of the temple elements. Listen, I know this is deep weeds for some of you, but if you don't know this, let me tell you this. They have already restored the elements for a temple to reinstitute and rebuild and reinstitute sacrifices. It's already been done. These things, these, these biblical things. We, we just heard the news that five red heifers have been delivered to Jerusalem. Why five red heifers? Pure sacrifices. Pure sacrifices. Like this stuff is happening. We don't stare at those things, but that's why it matters. Why does it matter to you and I? Well, look at China, Russia, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, America, Britain, the economy, currency, AI, technology, on and on and on and on and on. We could go on and on and on. Well, people were saying this in the 1500s. They were saying this in the 1800s. They weren't saying this because we didn't have this yet. Israel wasn't a nation yet. The Six-Day War hadn't happened yet. America wasn't where it is now. China wasn't what it is now. Russia wasn't what it is now. Remember, Russia, all these different nations that came out of old Russia, Turkey, all of these different things are happening. And listen, one day there will be a sound of a trumpet that will gather all believers unto the Lord. And we don't say all of this stuff to put our focus on the signs. We say all of it to say, awaken, awaken. This is why the Lord is speaking this word to us. Jesus, the King coming soon. It's not some cool little sermon series. He is trying to awaken his body. Everything we've been talking about has been talking about the body of Christ. It's all about Jesus and the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. He's trying to awaken us. And those that are not a part of the body, guess what he's trying to do? Awaken them to repentance, to repent. Listen, one day there will be a sound of a trumpet that will gather all believers unto the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, we can get into all kind of theology weeds. We can argue about it, and I'm sure somebody may be watching just waiting to argue with us about it. I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to quote the Scripture. I'm going to let the Scripture speak for itself because there is coming a day where the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, it will sound argue all you want about when it's going to happen but it will sound and when it sounds you need to be ready 
People use the argument to get caught up in all these theology arguments and what they're doing is being distracted by the enemy and they will not be prepared when the actual trumpet sounds. They have read it a million times, but because they didn't hear what the Lord was saying, they wanted to argue what they felt like it meant. They won't be ready. Arguments are not gonna get you into heaven. Clean hands and a pure heart. Theological arguments and being right is not going to get you to heaven. Clean hands, pure heart. You better have oil in your lamp and you better have your flame burning. Because he will come like that. People will be dancing and eating and drinking and not looking for that day. But those who are truly ready will be looking for that day. Eyes on Jesus. Lift up your heads. Lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption, right, draws nigh. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says this, and you may have heard this before. 15, 52 says this. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Paul says, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. There's going to be a sound. We are waiting for the sound of the trumpet to call us out of this world. As we are actively waiting, what do we do? We work the fields. What happens between Pentecost and trumpets? What happens between feast times? What happens between those seasons? Work the fields, doing the ministry of Jesus on the earth. Listen, there are many significant uses of trumpets. 120 trumpeters at the dedication of Solomon's temple at the Feast of Tabernacles, 2 Chronicles chapter 5. One of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Man, I blow up every single time I read 2 Chronicles because that parallels what happens at the Feast of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The book of the law was opened at the Feast of Trumpets, Ezra chapter 3. Seven priests, seven trumpets. And what do they do? Bring down walls of Jericho, Joshua 5. Kings were anointed at the blowing of trumpets. The day of the Lord, the second coming of Jesus, the king is announced by the trumpet, Zephaniah 1, Matthew 24, 1 Corinthians 15, and 1 Thessalonians 4, which we just read. Four distinct sounds. Come on, somebody put it in the chat right now. Four sounds. Put, the, put, put four up there right now. Either number or word. Four distinct sounds were made during the Feast of Trumpets. Remember, I said 100 blasts per day. Not all the same blast, though. Four distinct sounds were made during the Feast of Trumpets. There is Tekiah, which is this long single blast. What did that mean? It was a sound of the king's coronation. What is the sound of the trumpet in the last days? The king is coming. The king. Jesus the king. Not Jesus the babe in a manger. Not Jesus the servant. But Jesus the king. It's super important that we get this. Then there was the Shavarim, which was three short blasts. What does that mean? Repent. Repent. Then there was the Truah, which is nine staccato blasts. If you know anything about music or, or instrumentation, you know like a trumpet player, an actual trumpet player, they will know that there is a blast and there is you know three short this and nine this and six this and and and. Uh, I will move my fingers here, but it's all about this. 
and that will make the noise. Nine staccato blasts. What was that? That was awaken. Awaken. You need to wake up. And then there was the Tagaya Hagadal, which was the longest blast, and that announced atonement. Listen, all of these sounds, when we overlay these sounds, all of these sounds came out of a voice crying in the midst of the wilderness. Someone we know as John the Baptist. Preparing the way for Jesus. Preparing the way for the Lord. How do you know that, Scott? He announced the king. Behold. He declared repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He spoke a word of awakening. Listen, he's not going to just baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with fire. Wake up. And he announced atonement. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen, we need to be prepared for his coming while we make it known here on earth. Waiting is not doing nothing. We are waiting for his arrival, his second coming. But as we wait, we are doing the ministry of Jesus on the earth. He is coming. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in white, fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'll never forget this quote probably as long as I live. But Billy Graham was on Johnny Carson's show. Some of you probably don't even know who Johnny Carson is, but he was a, he was a late night talk host. And he had the famous evangelist Billy Graham on. And he said, you know, Billy, don't you think, you know, Jesus comes back again, you know, people are going to do the same thing they did before. They're just going to have it in for him. And I'm going to paraphrase. I don't remember the exact quotation, but it went something like this. Johnny, when Jesus comes again, he's not coming as a babe in a manger. But he's coming with fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. He's coming as a conquering king. And on that, can you imagine that being spoken on a late night show today? Can you imagine? That would be preemptive. It would be cut. It, you would not be able to see that. And here was his point. You see Jesus as this babe in a manger and he's a servant of all servants. But when he comes again, he's not coming like that. He's coming as a conquering king. When he entered in Jerusalem on that donkey, 
People may have laid palm branches down and they may have sang to him. They may have declared, but they didn't truly believe he was king. Well, this time there'll be no doubt that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus the king coming soon. We all need to be prepared. Scott, how do we do that? We urge you. We urge you. We exhort you. Warn, comfort, uphold, and be patient. Don't render evil for evil, but pursue what is good for yourself and for all. Rejoice, pray without ceasing, give thanks, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things and hold fast what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. And in that, may the God of peace himself, not someone else, himself, sanctify you completely, that you may be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 23 is a template of how to be prepared for the coming of Jesus. Lord, we're thankful. We're so thankful that this message of you being this conquering king is not fearful, but comforting. It gives us hope. It gives us hope and it gives us faith. It increases our faith and it builds our faith because we don't serve one who was and just who is. but We serve the one who is to come. And we thank you. And all those years ago, you went to that cross. And on that cross, you had all of us in mind. But not just the day that we would say yes to you here on earth, but you also had us in mind of that one day that after you come as a conquering king, that on that day we stand before you in a moment. We can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys. See, Jesus coming back, y'all. Listen. It's not fearful. It's not a fable. It's not just something we think might happen. It's comforting. It's joyful. It is hopeful, full of faith, because we can know that he came the first time and he's coming again because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Man, may the Lord bless you guys. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be incredible. We want you to Tune in with us, be with us, be in the chat, talk with our moderators. Man, ask questions, and we welcome questions. And guess what? If we don't know, we're not going to make something up. We're not just going to make something up to make us look better and make you feel better. If we don't know, we're going to say, hey, we don't know. Hey, it may mean this or it may mean this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's what you're going to hear from us. Jesus people keep their eyes on Jesus. May the Lord bless you guys. Love you.